and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'm going to be talking about Well Matched by Jen DeLuca, which is the third book in her Renaissance Fair romance series, series of companion novels. Last year around this time I did an episode on Well Met, the first book, and Well Played, the second book. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, you should totally go check them out. I think they're pretty good. They're also some of the last ones I did before I got a legit real microphone, so sorry about that audio quality, but I had fun with them. So today I'll be talking about the third book. And so also, just so you know, you don't necessarily have to have read or listened to these other books slash episodes to understand what's going on in this one because it is a romance series. So, you know, there are a series of companion novels. So this third book is about April, who is the older sister of the main character from the first book, Emily, and Mitch, who has been kind of the like friend character throughout the previous two books. This is also a fake dating story, as well as we're seeing age gap and single parent trope playing into this as well, with April being about 10 years older than Mitch very different, and that's something I'll definitely be talking about in the discussion section. I have to say I was a bit skeptical going into this book about the April-Mitch pairing, but it definitely won me over at the end, and so I would totally recommend this book to anybody looking for a cute, pretty light-hearted romance. Now, this isn't the best one I've ever read in the entire world, but I enjoy the series and I'll be continuing on with it. So without further ado, I must give you a spoiler warning. If you don't want Well Matched by Jen DeLuca to be spoiled for you, stop here, go read the book. Like I just said, I would recommend it and then come back and listen to this episode. Now into the plot summary. This is only about a 300 page book. So you would think I could do this succinctly, but let's see what happens. The book opens up with April at Jackson's, the local bar. She's getting a drink because she has just heard from her ex-husband that he sent a card congratulating her daughter, Caitlin, on graduating high school. It's about a few weeks before the end of high school. Her daughter's a senior, and she hasn't heard from her husband since they got divorced when Caitlin was a baby. So it has been a hot minute, and all of a sudden now he wants to be involved in Caitlin's life. So she's at the bar in her feels, and this man comes up and tries to chat up, chat her up, and she's not feeling it. And Mitch shows up and Mitch is like, pretends to be her boyfriend and saves her from the conversation. They end up getting a drink together and Mitch asks April to be her or his fake girlfriend to go to a brunch for his grandparents' wedding anniversary. And he basically says that his family doesn't take him seriously. So if he has this serious, mature girlfriend, maybe they'll take him more seriously. April at first is kind of like, I don't know, but she ends up agreeing to do this. In exchange, April is getting ready to move. Now, throughout the other books, it's been characterized that April is a loner. She doesn't like, so they live in this small town, which she moved to for her daughter to have like a good like growing up experience, but April doesn't like living there. And now that her daughter is going to graduate from high school, she's getting ready to sell her house. And so the realtor was like, you need to paint all your walls. You should replace your carpet, stuff like that, because the walls are like a dark blue color. It needs to be a bright, like boring white color, stuff like that. So in exchange, Mitch says he will help like stain her um, porch and paint the walls and the carpet and like whatever. So it kind of like becomes this exchange. Caitlin ends up being like very upset by the fact that her mom is going to move because she will lose her home. And also she loves being in Willow Creek, that's the name of the town, with the Renaissance Fair. And April has really not like been a part of any of this in Caitlin's life. 
So then her and Mitch end up going on this, what was supposed to just be a breakfast turns into a whole weekend getaway. And they end up going and they're staying at the hotel, but everybody else is staying at the grandparents' house, which is kind of sus. April's like, why is this? She goes, she meets Mitch's family. They're like pretty nice. Then there's the second day and they're like sitting down and they're having like barbecue lunch or something like that. And there's this one cousin who's super mean to Mitch, like being like, oh, you're just a gym teacher and a high school sport coach. Like your, your life is not that like we're doctors and lawyers like her, his one cousin, Lulu, who's like kind of important for the next book, but she's like this like high powered lawyer about to make partner at her law firm, stuff like that. This other cousin's like an investment banker, something stupid. And April is like, uh, excuse me, how dare you talk about my boyfriend like this, even though he's not really her boyfriend, but she's getting so mad and she would never normally do this, but they just like get on her nerves. They're like, She's like, how could you talk to him like this? You have no idea what he does. Like, he brought the baseball team to state the past year, and he's like, the past two years. And all the stuff he does for the Renaissance Fair, he basically runs it, like, kind of exaggerating, but also defending Mitch's honor, which is not something we knew that Mitch needed, but he did. And it was a fabulous scene. Y'all know how I love a scene where the female love interest defends the male love interest to his family who does not understand him or understand his love or his life. It's so good. I literally just slapped my table that I'm recording on because of how good that sort of like trope that thing is. I love it. Anyways, so then they go back to the hotel and April like apologizes. She's like, oh my God, I'm just your fake girlfriend. I can't believe I did this, blah, blah, blah. But then Mitch was into it. And so then they end up having sex at the hotel. Oh, oh, we're only 100 pages in. Can you imagine you're reading a romance novel? You're reading this book from the series. We're only 100 pages in and they've already had sex. Uh, What? So then anyways, they end up going back. And now Caitlin is graduating and her and April have been fighting. So Caitlin ends up contacting her dad and inviting him to go to this like teacher like meet and greet but it's not really a meet and greet it's like an end of the year graduation thing so april's going and caitlin's kind of surprised because she ended up asking her dad to go because april doesn't ever go to things like that and april ends up kind of having a panic attack and having to leave and she's also feeling so like upset because she's never met any of these teachers like all this different stuff and mitch ends up like comforting her all this other stuff um then the next day is graduation April and Caitlin make up and they have graduation and the dad is also there but like he ends up being kind of irrelevant and an asshole and like Mitch pretends to be her boyfriend again and like to get rid of him kind of and then all the teachers she finds out like we're defending her saying like how wonderful she was like all this different stuff for raising Caitlin we love it and then Caitlin like goes away for a week and April and Mitch are working on the house this whole time and they're also you know casually sleeping together all this different stuff and April decides you know what I should volunteer at the renaissance fair this summer before my daughter like is gone and in college so I can like be involved so she ends up just doing like ticket sales at the front and her but like prior to that her and Mitch have some sort of falling out I can't remember exactly what happened oh I remember so April has joined this book club in her neighborhood and so when Mitch was there while Caitlin was gone his truck was parked outside and uh, 
her neighbors were like, oh, April, you're getting it. And then she's like immediately shuts down because she doesn't want people in her life like that. And so she shuts Mitch out. But then she ends up going to the Renaissance Fair and she's volunteering and she like finally like sees it and sees her daughter in action and sees like Emily and Simon and Mitch and Stacy and all these characters from the other books like you know they're doing their thing like all this different stuff we love it but she also feels kind of like an outsider so there's this one day where she like gets like all dressed up in fair clothes and then her and Mitch well anyway at one point Mitch's grandparents show up with the cousin Lulu and they pretend to be dating again but they're not really speaking and then the next day she does the whole thing with the clothes and then the two of them sleep together again and then they're like kind of dating but like not and then at the end of the summer the fair ends Caitlin's like getting ready to leave and Mitch is like wanting to be serious with April and April is like uh no she like basically is like I'm still moving and like I don't I I I'm not ready for us to be like public like I don't want you to your truck to be outside of my house like I don't want to tell people about us like even my own sister who is one of Mitch's closest friends like all this stuff it just Mitch obviously reacts very poorly and he's like, I'm in love with you, but like you, I can't be with you if this is how you're going to treat me, which good on Mitch. We love seeing the man. We love seeing some role reversal right here, right? Anyway, so then they end up kind of like separating for the next few months, few weeks, a month, something like that. And Caitlin goes to college and then April ends up like calling Emily after she drops her off and like gets back home and she's like in tears and Emily and Stacy come over and she's like explaining everything that's going on and realizing that she actually doesn't want to move. She actually likes living in Willow Creek. She wants to have a relationship with Mitch. She likes that she's like close with her sister because in the first book, Emily moves to Willow Creek to take care of April after she was in this really bad car accident. And they are like, I don't know, like 12 or 13 years apart. So they were never very close. But now they like have this close relationship, all this different stuff. Anyway, so then April decides the way she's going to get Mitch back is that she paints one of the walls in her um, living room blue, which you would not do if you were selling the house, invites him to come over, like, and then, like, basically, like, apologizes and explains that she doesn't want to move and she wants to be in a relationship and she's ready to go public and he doesn't have to park in the garage and, like, all this different stuff. And then they, you know, make up. And then the epilogue is in November on Thanksgiving. And one of the like sub subplots is that April used to run a lot before her accident. And then in the epilogue, you see her like running and being part of the turkey trot basically, except I don't think it's called that, but I'm calling it the turkey trot because that's what it's called where I'm from. And so um, she's like part of the community and her daughter's back for like the holidays and she has this boyfriend and she's happy. The end. Yo, can I just say that was a short plot summary? You're welcome. And I even infused my personality, wit, humor, and some commentary in it. Who am I? Who is she? I don't know, guys, but I feel good about that. I do have quite a bit kind of to say about this book. I have lots of feelings. I've, you know what I also have discovered? That there is not a market on at least when I'm looking on Apple Podcasts, because that's the app that I use when I listen to podcasts, for when you, I, okay, so I'm, I'm still trying to find my own book podcast to listen to, because I just haven't found one that's really been working for me, which 
If you are a long-time listener, you know that's kind of why I started this podcast, both to talk about my opinions, but also there's not really one out there that I feel like is like really good. So if you have recommendations for book podcasts, please let me know. I would love to check some out. I do listen to The Strange Bedfellows, which used to be the Babysitter's Club Club podcast, which is how I originally found it, but now they do romance novels. So I do listen to that, but it's like very much a different vibe than what I do here on my podcast. But anyways, so if you have recommendations, please let me know. But what I've realized is that people who do like specifically the romance book podcast or just like podcasts in general, like general book podcasts, do not tend to review or talk about like sequels or like the third or fourth book in romance novel, like companion series. And that means I'm cornering the market on it. And it like finally clicked today because I was like, this book came out in October and I got it for Christmas, read it in January. You're hearing this in February, I think. And so like, it's been out for a while. There's not a single podcast episode on this book. So if anybody searches for it, my this episode should come up. So if any of you, that's how you found me for this episode specifically from this book, let me know. I think this is very interesting stuff. And so this is also like making it click as to why my A Rogue of One's Own episode and my Portrait of Scotsman episodes have done really well is because there's not people, people have their episodes about the first book, which that episode hasn't had as many listens as those other two. Anyways, so I'm realizing that the fact that I actually continue through a series and talk about them, even though like that could be like isolating is not, it's actually bringing me different listeners. So I don't know, I had that thought today when I was like going for a walk and trying to find something. I was like, maybe I'll listen to a podcast on this, but then I didn't. Speaking of podcasts though, when a long time ago, like before I had my podcast, I think, like right at the beginning of when I had my podcast, and I might have actually talked about this in either the Well Met or the Well Played episodes, Um, I listened to an episode of Smart Women Read Romance, and they did an episode on Well Met, which is the first book in the series. And the two women on the show were like talking about it, blah, blah, blah. And then they said that they just really wanted April and Mitch to like have their own romance together, like to have their own book. And I was like on my walk, I'd already read the book at that point. I think I'd read the book either once or I was like getting ready I was either read it once and getting ready to read it a second time or I'd already read it twice. I can't quite remember. I think only once, but so I was shocked. I was like, what? Because in the first book, there is kind of like one kind of memorable scene between April and Mitch. And in the second book, they have a few scenes. I think I can't quite remember. The second book doesn't stick out in my mind as much, which is something I'll talk about in a bit. But like, I was like, what? What are they talking about? And then it was so interesting because at the end of the second book, you get the first chapter of this book and you see it's going to be April and Mitch's story. And I was shocked, even though I was less shocked because these two women had already primed me for it by like willing it into existence. But your girl was shocked. I was like, what? Oh my God. Like when I read the first two books, I would never in a million of years thought, okay, Mitch and April, they're going to get together. I thought that Mitch and April were both gonna have their own books, probably Mitch and then April or something like that. Like I didn't expect them to be together. So I was I was a little skeptical. 
I was like, I'm not sure. Like, do they really fit? Or is this just to like, let's pair the last remaining characters together sort of thing. But it worked. It really actually worked. And so there's a lot of things that they're like very different. April, first of all, is 10 years older than Mitch about, I'm just going to use 10. I think it, because there's never like an exact date, but that's, she's always like, I'm like 10 years older than you. Anyways, I have not read an age gap romance with an older woman and a younger man, I think. At least not anything this like, I don't want to say severe, but because she's 40 and he's like 30. So it's not like creepy age gap of him being 18 and she's like 35 or something like that. They're 40 and 30. So it like makes a lot more sense. But like also, I haven't really read anything like this before. So I was like a little skeptical going in. I was like, huh, how am I going to feel about her being a lot older, like this other stuff? And that's also part of the conflicts which I didn't talk about in the discussion section, is she thinks that Mitch is going to want to have kids one day. And she is like kind of past the age of having um, children, like her body being able to, and just her, she's just sent her one daughter off to like college. She's not really wanting to do it again. And she thinks Mitch does want to have children. So that's like one of the other insecurities about it is that she's too old to really give that to him. But he ends up being like, yo, I don't want children. I am a teacher. And I see my kids every single day at school. And then during the summer, I see the kids every day for, not every day, but I see them for the Renaissance Fair. And I have all my nieces and nephews and I don't need my own children. And that tracked, unlike what I'm going to talk about later, that really tracked for me that Mitch was like fine just being the cool uncle and didn't need to have any of his own kids. Like, especially when you're getting more of him in this book than in the other two, it like made sense to me. I was like, okay, Yes, I accept this. I agree with this. I think that this is correct. And so that is one of the issues that they have. There's like a few other ones where Mitch used to be like a ladies man player and she like sees in his calendar that he has like these 6 a.m. meetings with women of all these different names. But it turns out that's just how the CrossFit that he does, like the exercises are like named after women for whatever reason. And so he like, if you go in and click on it, it shows like what it, what the exercises are and how many reps he did and whatever. So that was like another thing. She was like, he's a ladies man. Like he doesn't actually like me, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I was skeptical about the two of them because of these differences about she like the other main conflict is the moving and the her just being insecure and not like being like too closed off, not wanting to let anybody know about it and him being like, no, I want people to know that we're dating. Like I don't want, I don't want to be your dirty little secret. And I support, like I said, I support Mitch 100% in this because April was in the wrong here. Now, it's not wrong if you're not ready to date necessarily or you're not ready to like introduce your boyfriend to your child or something like that. But like the way that like it works, like you can't be like not, you can't ask him to be a secret forever, okay? He's already been your secret for a few months now. I don't know. So I definitely was with Mitch on that and I thought that like, the conflicts like made sense. You knew it was coming, the whole thing with the moving. Obviously that's a conflict. It does get resolved. I think she, the apology like and all that was pretty good, whatever. So I was skeptical, but the two of them fit together really well. They just understood each other really, like April saw past Mitch as a, well, she also didn't though, because she really was fixated on like, you love to go out to Jackson's and drink and pick up women. And he, at the end, he's like, I haven't done that 
since the night I asked you to be my fake girlfriend. And so, hmm, 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 hmm. But she also, like, really, like I said, she really defended him to his family, like, all this different stuff. So they do see each other and are able to meet in the middle, sort of. Like, she's trying to be more out there for him, and he's, for a while, okay with being sort of a secret. I don't know. But, like, I feel like I'm not explaining this well at all, but I did think that they had good chemistry, that they made sense together, and that they would make it as a couple. So that's what I have to say about that. I do want to talk a little bit about ranking of the book and book four before I do a few of my other sections. So I will say that my favorite book still remains to be Well Met. Well Matched, this book is now my second favorite, and then Well Played is my least favorite of the three. And part of this rank kind of ties into this idea of this new section I'm calling characterization check-in. So these books are obviously all written by the same person, but sometimes I feel like you get, I feel like this happens in like lots of different series and with lots of different authors, but specifically with this series, I had an issue in the second book and then with this book as well. And that I felt like the author gives you the first book, explains the two main characters, Emily and Simon in that book. And then it's like that characterization does not exist in books two and three. For example, Emily like moves to the town and she becomes like best friends with Stacy, loves Stacy, all this different stuff. Book two, Stacy's like, I don't have any friends, which is clearly not true because Stacy's Emily's closest friend since moving there. So that feels weird. And then also there's like this scene in the middle when Stacy finds out that this is a spoiler for the second book. So sorry, if you don't want this spoiled, skip ahead like a minute or so. But like there's this scene that Stacy finds out that the guy she's been talking to is not Dex, but actually his cousin Daniel. And she goes over to Emily's and Simon happens to be there and they're talking about it. And Simon ends up being like, this is awful. How could he do this? Do you want me to revoke their contract? Which is a really big deal because Simon is very much like in the first book, the whole thing is that he doesn't want fair to change at all. He's starting to like, because of his brother's memory, all this different stuff. But like, he's starting to let go and do that. And Stacy's like, wow, I never realized how good of a friend Simon was to me. And so like in that book, it was like we all the characterization of Emily and Simon is just gone, which really annoyed me. And then in this book, there was a few things where I just felt similarly about this characterization, just like not like it didn't make sense to me. So like, again, in this book, April is saying that like her sister at this point has been in town for three years. So she's been married to Simon for one year and dating him for Emily's basically been dating Simon for the entire three years that she has been here, dating slash been married to him. And April says at one point that she probably knows five things about Simon. And she helped plan this wedding. Simon was in her house there as they were planning it. And if I had to guess the things she knew about him, it would be that he is an English teacher, that he runs the fair, that he is married to her sister, the way he dresses... And, like, I don't know, maybe, like, that he likes to read. Like, that's what I would think she knows about him based on that. And she's like, he probably also only knows five things about me. And I don't know if this is just because April is not a joiner and, like, was trying to, like, not become, like, close to people and, like, isolate herself. But that just seems 
not realistic to me that like her sister's been with this man for three years and it's not like they they live in the same town her sister lived with her for the first part of her relationship with simon and she's saying she knows five things about him doesn't know anything about her brother-in-law are you serious i know more than that about some of my sister's ex-boyfriends who she was not with for three years i it just it just baffled me and i think part of the reason why this made me so mad is that you get the first book you get all the like what frustrates me a lot like this not just with this book series but with others is you get a book and this was probably also like part of the reason why i really didn't like a rogue of one's own i feel like every time i talk about that book i like it less and i'm saying i like it less and less than i did in the episode i recorded for it but basically what bothers me is we get this one book and you're supposed to be rooting for this man as the male love interest whether he gets a perspective or not and you like not necessarily fall in love with him but like you enjoy him you ex- you like the relationship between him and the female main character like all this different stuff and then you get into the second and the third books and it's like nah that man's an asshole or that man is like uh really like cold or he's like i don't know anything about him who cares about him he's like uptight and it's like it just feels rude it just feels rude and like insincere to the reader that you're gonna like do all this stuff and then like i get it in some senses like if there's like a real reason for them to not like the like guy but like in this one april has no reason to know nothing about her sister's husband who is a nice man the other part of characterization check-in I want to talk about here is that Emily ends up saying to April about halfway through the book that her and, or maybe even in the first third or first quarter, that her and Simon are not going to have children. They were, like, thinking about getting a dog. And then April also gets a dog at the end to show more that, like, to have a companion, life companion, but also to show that she's, like, rooted to Willow Creek. But basically, Emily's, like, we're not gonna have children it was basically the same thing with mitch where it's like simon like has his children at work and during fair like that's enough for us and it like first of all i think it's a little lazy writing to have both of these sisters i don't think it's lazy writing that both of their like sis- the sisters love interests are teachers but to have them have the same exact excuse for why they don't want to have children feel felt like lazy writing to me like it wasn't something like it was basically the same exact thing except you're getting Emily saying this and Mitch saying it so it's like coming from a slightly different perspective I also like when that happened when Mitch said he didn't want children it like first of all I think you have to know it's coming if he's going to stay with April who can who is not going to have any more children because of her age so like I feel like maybe that's why I was more accepting of it but I also thought it like fit Mitch's personality like I was saying before to not have any children but it kind of like shook me a little bit when Emily said that her and Simon were definitely not going to have any children now I wonder if this will change because apparently there's going to be more books in this series but I don't know it definitely shook me I like obviously I'm not the author of this series and I wasn't expecting them to be like pregnant in this book or anything like that but like I did kind of think that the two of them would have children and maybe that's just me with my like heteronormative like uh, socialized mindset. I don't know. Society is just saying that 
you get or like with the like these books like they get married and they have children and there you go that's like that's how these books go so maybe that's also playing into my surprise and like not real acceptance or belief of that but I did I want to know anybody who's read this series I want to know what you thought about Emily saying that and if you thought yeah that made sense like cool or if you were also it kind of struck you a little bit weird and you're not sure about it but so all of all of that is to say is that I do have a little bit of an issue with Jen DeLuca's characterization of characters between novels because I don't always think that it is consistent or that it makes sense and that bothers me. And I think part of this is also why the first book might be my favorite one. The first book also is the most heavily about the Renaissance Fair, whereas the Renaissance Fair is almost tangential in the second two. So maybe that also plays a role in it, but I don't know. But I, the first one's definitely my favorite. This one's definitely my second favorite. And the th- second one is my least favorite. I didn't hate the second or the third one or like dislike it. But it's just it's just not my favorite out of the three. And I think part of that probably comes to the characterization that I was just talking about. Interestingly, I thought that we were going to be done with this series because all of the main characters that we knew of were, they all have their stories now that Mitch and April were paired together. But... There is going to be a fourth book called Well Traveled, and it's going to be about Mitch's cousin Lulu, which I, when I got the book, I flipped to the back to see how long it was, and I saw that there was, like, basically, like, this pair, this chapter from Well Traveled, so I knew going into the book that there was going to be another one, and I thought maybe it would be Caitlin's story, even though she seems too young for that to be true, But then when we get introduced to Mitch's cousin and she kind of appears, not a lot, but like enough, I was like, oh, it's going to be about her. But the interesting part is I think her love interest is going to be Dex, who we know from the second book as the one that Stacy like originally like was crushing on and had the fling with and thought she was talking to. And in the second book, he's not seen to be super likable. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And that one will be heavily about the Renaissance Fair because Lulu ends up like quitting her job and then basically like going on the Renaissance Fair circuit with Stacy and the band until they get to Willow Creek. So for about six weeks or something like that. And when they get to Willow Creek, that Renaissance Fair is going to be going. So pretty interesting stuff. I'll definitely be reading book four when it comes out next fall or this fall, I guess. And so I am intrigued about that. I just want to talk about a few things, a, a few things shortly since I'm running up at the end here because I was just, ta- I was just blabbing for so long about those other, like, I've talked about, like, three of my, like, many points, but whatever. One, really quickly, throughout the entire book, I was like, when did the feelings start? Because they've known each other for three years, and so how, when did the feelings start? Because for April, it's very clear that the feelings start occurring when, like, they start having all this, like, intense time together about working on the house and then especially when she goes with the family and then they end up sleeping together. Like, the feelings are, like, real and, like, starting there. And prior to that, she always thought Mitch was hot because this man is hot. He wears a kilt. He doesn't wear a shirt. He's ripped. Like, we love a good-looking man. However, like, she didn't have, like, romantic feelings for him before this. But it's this book's only told from April's perspective. So you have no idea when Mitch's feelings started. And he ends up, like, confessing that they started around the same time as hers. Like, and so he didn't, like, ask her to be his fake girlfriend 
like having like romantic feelings for her at the time just to be clear but like I also was wondering like has how long has Mitch been crushing on her but I guess it actually hadn't been a slow burn for them like a long time pining sort of situation which is fine one question I do have about fake dating is that obviously it's implied that they're together forever so does Mitch's family ever find out that they were fake dating or do they just always pretend they've been dating for like a year or some months longer than they have been? I don't know. Somebody who's done fake dating and then it became a real relationship, let me know. Finally, I want to talk very quickly about the back of the book summary because I have a bone to pick with it. You know I don't like back of the book summaries that give too much away where it's like, why bother reading the book? And what bothers me about this one is the beginning, the first two paragraphs, it's like, okay, cool. It's just talking about the first like less than 100 pages. So cool. But then the last paragraph talks about April volunteering and then Mitch's family showing up at fair and April having to be his girlfriend again. That doesn't happen for until over 200 pages, over two thirds of the way through the book. So that's really a big spoiler about what's going to happen. Instead, I think it should have talked about April's ex showing up and Mitch pretending to be her boyfriend that way. Because it's about, oh, now the feelings are becoming real, which obviously that's what happens with fake dating. But so I was annoyed by that. And with that, I had a few other things I wanted to talk about, but it's about 34 minutes in. I'm cutting out a little bit of stuff, but not that much. So we're just going to wrap it up here. So Next week, I will be talking about Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. I was going to do an episode on the Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis, maybe, but I ended up setting that book down because I want to read all my wintry themed books, which I'll talk about next episode, because uh, you know I'm not typically a seasonal reader, but apparently this winter I've decided to be one, so yeah. So that's coming up next. Super excited. It was one of my favorite books I read in 2020. And now I'm rereading it for the first time and I'm having a good time so far. I'll, I'll let you know my final um, feelings in that episode. Also, while I've got you here, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. I would really much appreciate it and it helps other people find it. Uh, you can also so send me your feelings on this episode, this book, this podcast in general, either by DMing me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. Shout out to Vicky for DMing me about the love hypothesis episode I did. What a G. You could also follow me on Instagram while you're there. That would like very much incentivize me to keep trying on Instagram because I hate taking photos. So, and Instagram deleted my post I did for the Rosie Project episode. I had to type it again and it made me very mad. Also, if you don't like Instagram, but you still want to talk to me, you can email me at iredbookonceblog at gmail.com. Tell me what you thought about this episode, this book, questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Would love to speak with you. And with that, my name is Emma. This was I Read a Book Once, and I'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>